LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel Center ministry every week. Last week of August, Scott. Is it, the ashes, I think, will be almost over and it will be returned to Australia. Really? I'm, You're I'm that calling, confident? I'm calling it now. That confident. Richard Koken has been sledging no end since the World Cup. Cricket, they he won has. that. But um, I think we've... I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty certain we're going we're gonna to have the ashes back. Wow, well. big call. Very big call. Now, the one thing is brought to you with thanks to the Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network. We're also proudly part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. So check out our podcast page to see a number of our partner podcast episodes. But for now, you press play on episode number 71 of The One Thing, Handing Off Ministries. This is hard. I was just having a conversation with someone this morning about the difficulty of this because you go into ministry with certain passions and convictions and there's certain things you love mm. doing. Um, but one of the things that happens as ministries grow is you have to work out how you hand off things in order for you not to be the bottleneck. You just dump and run, don't you? You dump, dump and, and run. run. That's exactly why we And then have complain why they haven't done it well. This is what it's like working with you, Scott. <laughs> yes, no, it's not true. It's not true. Anyway, this is one of the challenges of ministry. You, you have to step uh, some distance from the things you love and mm. see that fruit on other people's trees. But, you know, that's why we've got Paul Harrington here because he's been through this in a scale most people uh, may not experience. Um, and so he's gone through it a number of times. So we thought we'd get Paul Harrington on to talk through this. Welcome, Paul. Thanks. Great to be here. Now, Paul, can you just give us a very quick uh, thumbnail sketch of the Trinity Network and your role in it? Yeah, sure. So the Trinity Network is uh, 10 churches, 10 locations, 16 congregations. It's about uh, two hours north to south traveling time from a car to uh the southernmost, northernmost churches. Uh, it started as a mother church back in the uh, year 2000. And then what we've done is we've seen, uh, we planted a church 2001 and we've seen churches planted and uh, those churches also turn around and plant churches in due course. So uh, maybe somewhere between two and two and a half thousand people in those churches each Sunday, staff team of maybe... Uh, 40 to 50 or somewhere around there in different churches. So that's, yeah, that's roughly what it is. My role is um, basically the network senior pastor. So I particularly work with the senior pastors of those churches to help them, support them, encourage them and try and troubleshoot and enable them to get on with what they're doing. And then part of my role is to think through how we plant a lot more churches as we go along. We figure that it's been nine churches we've planted in about 18 years, which is terrific, but we're, we feel like the next 10 years should be uh, multiplying of that process rather than um, mathematically just increasing at the same rate. So we're hoping mm. that you know, we could plant another 20 churches in the next 10 years or, or maybe even more. So, yeah. Mm. Paul, how, how have you managed the tension of, of sort of growth and control in, in the midst of these last sort of 20 years? Yeah, so the I don't think you manage growth. Um, <laughs> that is, I, I think actually the growth bit's the hard bit to constantly think through how do we keep an evangelistic edge to what we do 
and keep growing disciples in those churches. Uh, I think control is probably the wrong word. Uh, most denominational structures are greater governance and systems and policies which work out to be controlled. That is, they essentially operate as, as limiters to what you do, mm. uh, I think, by, by compliance. We, what we're trying to do is set up a network where the network is a family of churches and at a central network level, what we're trying to do is to push and support the churches and provide them with resources to multiply what they're doing. So the control at that point is to try and take a load off them of stuff that they don't need to do, you know, finances and setting up, um, uh, you know, IT systems and policy stuff uh, to free them up to do the coalface ministry stuff. And so the, the trick with that, I think, is to work out what does need to be done at the local church level and what is it smart to do more centrally to enable that to occur more effectively at the coalface. Mm. So that that there's a tension there trying to work that out, but it's a healthy tension in, in terms of trying to make that happen. Mm. And how, how have you managed, because you'll have certain gifts and skills and things that you are passionate about. Uh, yep. How have you managed yourself in that delegation and handing things over and seeing things done not quite how you might do them? Yeah, that yeah. tension. Yeah. I think it's a good point. That is, everyone has different gift sets uh, and they apply those in different situations. I I don't find it hard to um, give people ministries. I enjoy enabling people to get on with ministry and uh, if at all possible to help people stand on my shoulders and jump off so that uh, I'm comfortable for people to do things better than I can do them. In fact, I hope they will. Mm. Uh, there, there needs to be a level of tolerance around the scope for people to do it in their own way. Uh, I don't think there's much scope for theological tolerance. Uh, that is, I think we have high alignment in our network around the convictions when it comes to the scriptures. But different people have different gifts, and if they play to their strengths, that's generally a smart thing in ministry. So helping people to work out what they are, not getting too worried about the fact that they're going to get to the same goal through a different route, I might have an idea about what is a better way to do it, uh, but actually as long as they get there, it generally doesn't matter too much. So I think as a personality, I've, I've got a reasonable amount of tolerance on pathways to achieve different goals. So I think that's, that's worked okay. Yep. Well, as we said before, we are, the one thing is part of the Lifeway Leadership Network. We just want to pause for a moment, hear from one of our Brother Podcasts. Group Answers, the Group Answers podcast with Chris Surratt and Brian Daniel. They've recently covered topics like building a growth track, building a spiritual pathway, and how to write sermon-based studies. These guys think a lot about small groups in your church, so check up uh, Group Answers on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Why Brother Podcast? Well, I, I would have said Sister podcast but yeah, I think it's, it's interesting sister. isn't it but yeah. yeah it's interesting isn't it no we're getting you don't talk about this from our media guy at the back there mark sorry about that anyway all right let's get back to what we're actually supposed to be doing well, we're going to do something a little bit special today derek's going to uh handle the toolbox so over to you derek Thank you very much. What a privilege this is. Thanks for delegating this to me today, Scott. Did you like that? Oh, I did. Did you like excellent. how we are modeling delegation? Yeah, and I am not going to give any advice 
at all on this. I think you're going to do a wonderful job. I'm just going to encourage you, Derek. Well, yeah, I'm job. not sure that's delegation. That's abdication. <laughs> anyway, three tools. Um, we got a coaching and delegation course on Church in a Box, training.churchinabox.online. Uh, it's excellent. Pete Mayrick runs that. It's really, really good. Excellent um, to build a framework and tools and uh, to think through how you delegate well, not abdicate, um, but hand things off in a way that, uh, yep, yeah, it helps people grow. Secondly, uh, it's worth reading up on Situational Leadership uh, by Ken Blanchard. There's a whole number of resources out there uh, to help you think through that on the web. Uh, and so we'll put a couple of links to some helpful things. But Situational Leadership is a model by which you can delegate well. Uh, thirdly, it's worth doing a self-assessment on delegation. So uh, again, we'll put a link to a question you, a questionnaire you can use. You can do it for yourself, uh, but then actually I would encourage you to give it to a couple of other people around you, like a 360, um, to get them to give you feedback on whether or not you delegate well. Can I just give you a little bit of feedback, Derek? What would you say? What that did was, you build that, some, see, what you that was really, that was really, uh, really clear, yep. sharp, and those resources sound excellent. I, in fact, that... That third tool, I'm, I'm going to jump in on that. Let me give you feedback on your feedback. You built concrete there. That's Pete Merrick's phrase. I love that phrase. You built concrete. You were specific oh. in your feedback there. So I feel encouraged. Any feedback on my feedback <laughs> about yours? No, we'll stop there. Anyway, let's keep going. Paul, how did you grow your own self-awareness of um, the things that might have been pressing your buttons when things weren't happening right or the things that you were good at uh, and the things that you needed to complement and bring people on to compliment. How did you grow your self-awareness in that? Uh, generally by doing ministry. So I, I got converted when I was 20. Up until that time, I'd avoided leadership of every form except for captaining sporting teams. Okay, <laughs> so I, I just thought it, it had to be an idiot to lead anything really. And uh, so I generally just thought, I left it to the idiots. Uh, when I became a Christian, I thought maybe I had a responsibility uh, for what God had given me, but had no idea what that was because I hadn't developed any of those skills. So I was a late bloomer in that sense. Mm -hmm. uh, when I went to Bible college, um, my wife Sue and I thought we would be pastors of a smaller church, 70 or 80 people faithfully discipling, and that that's what we were good at uh, and would do for the rest of our lives. And then I... Um, I joined a bigger church on a team and just started getting excited by um, just some of the thinking about possibilities for how ministries could develop mm. and the way in which I was able to help people in teams to achieve that, to identify leaders, to excite them with the gospel and to get on with it. So I, it was one of those developing things over time uh, that I became aware that I had certain gifts. And it doesn't matter what gifts you've got. doesn't, you know, you just want to use what you've got to honour God, and that's what I found myself doing more and more of. Um, I'm the sort of person who enjoys it when other people do stuff better than I can do it. Mm. So I've constantly tried to recruit godly leaders who are more gifted than me in certain areas so that together we can be a team of people who can have more impact. Uh, so I've worked out that I'm good at thinking through plans, uh, I can do the details, but it just shrivels me up, you know, uh, to implement plans. So I've kept on trying to find people close to me who are good at good implementers. They're also good in many other areas, but to make sure that those sort of people are alongside 
And yet, because they're different to me, I have to make sure that we can work well together. Uh, because I'm a big picture thinker. If I work with a details person, we could drive each other nuts. Uh, so working in how we understand each other and have a good partnership as we achieve those things. So I think it's it's just been working that sort of stuff out over time. And then my roles changed almost every two years I've been doing it. So yeah. um, I've been a, a, a university worker, evening church pastor. Um, I've been the senior pastor of a bigger church. I've tried to help other people plant churches. I'm now trying to support pastors who are looking after churches while we plant more churches. You know, it's just kept changing, and I like those changes. It just suits me as a person. How, yeah. how do you go about coaching, uh, you know, hypothetically someone in your network who is not great at handing off stuff? You know, you, you can see they're holding on to things. You can see the impact yeah. on on themselves. You can see the impact on the church. You can see there's not a team around them. How, how have you gone about actually, you know, helping a ministry uh, leader in your in your church team? Yeah. Be aware of that. Look, I I think I um I've tried to tackle it in a few different ways. That is, because I'm not a good systems persistent person, mm, mm. Uh, some of those people require a significant amount of input over a long period of time to retrain in their habits and approaches, even if they have the convictions they need to do it. Uh, what I've tried to do is to find people who are better at working alongside people consistently to bring about those sort of changes mm. when it's, I can see the need, but but don't necessarily think I'm the one to keep doing it, even though I feed into it. Mm. The, the other thing we've tried to do is, um, is to think through in each church, uh, the whole team pastoring model, that is, how do you, bring clarity on the areas of ministry that people can uh, pick up significant delegated responsibility in. Mm. Because we think if we establish for our pastors better frameworks for how that works, that will help them identify what they're good at, what they're not, and to then know that they need to find people to work with them to achieve those sorts of areas. So at a, an organisational framework level, we've tried to define that more carefully and for pastors to be able to see other pastors doing the same thing uh, so that there's uh, learning from peers in that sort of process and then supplement that with some coaching because I think the coaching for change is absolutely critical because most pastors will just default to the things they enjoy, the things that they're good at and overall they will tend to avoid the things that they aren't and struggle with, which is, that's just human nature. You know? Now, you've built a great team at um, amongst the Trinity Network. How, how have you gone about building this this great team? I've given it a fair bit of time. Mm. Uh, so uh, when I'm recruiting someone onto the team, if I don't know them well, I really do spend a huge number of hours getting to know the person, getting to know their household, and working out how they tick because I really want to know what, what's at the heart of people I work alongside in terms of their gospel convictions. I want to know them personality-wise because often uh, you're higher on the basis of giftedness mm. and then you have breakups on the basis of personality. Mm. Uh, and so I want to know people well to work out if we can work together uh, because because it doesn't matter if you can't. Christians sometimes think they can work with anyone as long as they believe the gospel. Mm. And 
that's true as long as you have nothing to do with them. Um, <laughs> but uh, but if you actually are working with someone, the the tensions in ministry will highlight the differences in personality. And most bust-ups in ministry occur over personality differences, my observation. So I spend a lot of time getting to know people. I want people who are godly. Uh, I really want to understand their gift mix um, as well because the gifts are things that have been given by God to work out if they're suitable for the role that I'm asking them to do. And are you just intuitive, uh, are you just intuitively good at that, Paul, or is it you know do you give them a, do they do a Myers Briggs and a Strengths Finder and a you know a 16 yeah. PF? Do you employ a psychologist? Yep. So uh, I I think intuitively I'm pretty good at it mm. uh, in terms of uh, recruiting. And now I've worked out that we need to put a framework around that intuition because mm. I'm not going to be the only one employing people, and I'm not already. Uh, so we need, I need to train people and put in place frameworks of skilled people that can verify. So my, I normally, uh, when recruiting, come to conclusions fairly quickly that I then test out, uh, but most people don't, mm. uh, in my observation, and therefore I want to make sure that as a network I, I help support the guys who are recruiting team members to have good insight and understanding, and I need to spend time with them helping them do it too. Yeah. It's recruiting is, I reckon, the critical thing mm, uh, mm, mm. when it comes to ministry. It's really essential. Mm. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Paul, what is the one thing we should be taking away when it comes to handing off ministries? Yeah. If you don't do it, you will. I think you said at the start, if you don't have a clear conviction that you need to enable people to do ministry, then the ministry can only ever be as good as you. Uh, yeah, and the scope of it, to your capacity will determine that. Uh, so uh, you, we, we need to get better at both delegating and supporting and encouraging the people that we're giving ministry to and seeing that our job is to, you know, Ephesians 4, it's to equip people to do ministry, not to do ministry. Uh, so don't do ministry, help other people do ministry, you know, I think is what, what we're called to do. It's hmm, great. Well, if you'd like to hear what you've heard today on The One Thing, we'd appreciate if you take a moment to rate us on iTunes and leave a comment. Well, thanks for joining us, Paul, and thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing. Next time, Ben Shannon from Brisbane uh, is joining us, talking about how do you transfer all the goodness of a local church to a new campus, uh, which is what Ben did out of Grace Bible Church. We're going to look at the pros and cons of being a campus church. I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Hanna. Chat soon. Chat soon.